Okay, well, good to see you this morning, and we're back in our series, Held Together. And, of course, want to thank Pastor Andrew and Pastor Julio for uh, speaking these last couple of weeks, and I know it was a great time for everybody, and I so appreciate uh, your prayers as I've been gone, and I was gone for 19 days. Uh, I was on four different continents, 12 different flights, and uh, my suitcase and I were not together for about eight days. And uh, so that was a very interesting time, but hey, we made it through, and uh, praise God for all of that. Uh, we, we had seven days of teaching and preaching in Africa, in Republic of Congo, and then five days of teaching and preaching in India, and met with uh, hundreds of pastors, and, and everybody is so thankful uh, that our church is, is willing to sacrifice uh, to make this possible for them to have uh, these opportunities for encouragement and coaching, and they are, uh, it just makes it all worth it. And when, when you stand... Uh, in a hot uh, concrete building in South India, and you see 50 pastors crammed into this tiny room, uh, and you're able to coach them on uh, biblical principles from the New Testament, and just see their faces light up, uh, it is worth it all to, to be able to do what we do, and I know that it's difficult uh, on uh, everybody involved to be able to do it, but God has called us to do it. And we, we've had uh, some awesome opportunities over these years of being able to train with these pastors. And I, I was, uh, had uh, so many different experiences that I'm sure that I'll relate to you over time. And it's so compressed that it's hard to even... Yeah, remember all the experiences uh, that I could tell you. I mean, we were teaching one day in Brazzaville. It's the capital of Republic of Congo. It's a pretty big city, maybe two million people. And I was teaching and just totally focused. And all of a sudden, this guy walked in from the street because we we're right by a major road. And he uh, came for me. Like he, he was going to attack me. And he was yelling in French. He was like out of his mind. And uh, just before he got to my neck, five, about five pastors grabbed him and uh, drug him outside. And uh, the, the other pastors in front of me said, just keep going. <laughs> well, okay. So we just kept going. And uh, so we've had uh, all sorts of fun things like that. Uh, lots of food experiences and life experiences, uh, but the, the overall uh, effect of, of what happens is that we are able to partner with these churches, these congregations in other parts of the world. And I did a baptism while I was in India. This young man was just so excited to serve God. And, you know, there's a revival happening in many parts of the world right now. Uh, where God is working. And revival uh, always means that we see God for who He really is, and we see ourselves for who we really are. Uh, 
it means that we treat God's Word not just as an encouragement and a pep talk, uh, but we treat it as the path of life, that we actually are going to follow what it has to say. And this series held together uh, has been talking about the relationships that God uses to guide us, to move us forward. And in week four, we're going to talk now about growth relationships. And I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 uh, as we get into this final week of Held Together. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And next Sunday night, we're going to have a prayer and praise service uh, at 530. I hope you can come. And we're just going to spend some time together praising God, having prayer, and uh, seeing how God leads through them. That's next Sunday night at 5.30. 2 Timothy 1, and let's read in verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I served from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. And this morning we're going to walk through the first two chapters of this final letter that Paul ever wrote, and he wrote it to his friend and disciple Timothy. And we're going to notice some things today about growth relationships that God gives to us uh, to move us forward in the Christian life. We all need growth relationships. And Paul, uh, he had some unique relationships in his life. Uh, At the beginning of his time as an apostle, uh, he had some men who spoke into his life, Barnabas. And uh, there was Ananias and others who were there to influence him and help him. Uh, And uh, Paul also had some partners, some friendship relationships, like he did with Silas and Luke. And uh, then he had some disciple relationships. But these are all growth relationships, and we need these in our life. Uh, We need people who will help move us forward and who will be honest with us about where we're at in our walk with God. We need people who will come alongside us. And uh, listen, we all should be involved in some way of influencing people in the next generation for God. Uh, There is nothing more beneficial in your life than to use it to influence the next generation for Jesus Christ. Uh, Because that's the way that Christianity moves forward. That's the way that we uh, increase scripturally in the New Testament. And so let's look through this now. And I know the notes are in your bulletin this morning. Uh, they're also on the YouVersion app if you'd like to follow along. And let's start in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 3. And we see that uh, Paul called to remember them in prayers. And so when we have these growth relationships God calls us to remember them in prayer. You know, prayer is the first and most important thing that you can do for another person. 
sometimes we look for ways to help people, and we look for ways to, uh, to influence people and encourage people, uh, but prayer is always the best way to start. Uh, God will open your eyes to needs in the life of a person that you're praying for. And God will heal uh, wounds in relationships when you pray for other people. Uh, I remember years ago, there were some people who had been uh, kind of bitter and destructive uh, toward me in a situation in my life, and yet I've been that way with people before as well, and none of us are perfect, and we've all got issues in our relationships. But I remember uh, that for a few weeks, I, I was really embittered, and I was upset. And, and then I, I just felt led that I should begin to pray for these people. And I began to pray. I just said that I was going to pray for 30 days every day for, for these people uh, who I was struggling with. And you know, at the end of 30 days, God had changed my heart. God had changed how I felt about those people, and instead of being bitter against them, uh, now I wanted what God wanted for their lives. Uh, I wanted grace and healing for their lives. Uh, my flesh didn't want that, but prayer allowed my heart to change. And prayer uh, has this way of changing you more than it changes anyone else. Right? As you pray for God to change other people, God changes you. And, and so Paul said, hey, uh, I've been praying for you, Timothy. And uh, can you imagine hearing that from the Apostle Paul saying, boy, I've been praying for you. That's so encouraging. Now I want to go down to verse number five. And let's see this next one. Remind them of their faith foundation. Verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gifts of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now, Paul reminded Timothy of his faith foundation. And there are many people in this room, God has given you a foundation of faith even since childhood. God has allowed you to know the Word of God and to be around God's people and to be encouraged in your faith. And I hope you won't take that for granted. And that is such an opportunity that Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. And I believe that those who grow up under the sound of the gospel uh, have a huge responsibility to use what they have been given for the glory of God. There's nothing more tragic than to see people who have been given the foundation of faith and then they spit on it and walk away from it. Uh, it's so tragic. And, and if they really have faith, I, I believe as we pray and we continue to uh, to cry out to God for them, that God will bring them back. Yeah, that's what the chastening hand of the Lord does. The chastening hand of God continues to go after his children. But Paul said to Timothy, listen, I remember your grandmother's faith, and I remember your mother's faith, and I'm persuaded it's in you too. And wow, what a testimony that is. Now let's go down to verse number eight. 
And let's see the next instruction that is given here in this growth relationship. Verse number eight, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And so he calls Timothy to partake in the gospel's afflictions. Now, this is a tough instruction, right? Uh, who wants to partake in affliction? Right? Who wants to sign up for that? Uh, nobody wants to sign up for affliction. And yet, as the people of God, as disciples of Jesus, uh, as children of faith, we partake in the gospel's afflictions. And you know, sometimes uh, it starts with not being ashamed. When you are willing to stand for Christ in a situation, it may bring affliction into your life. You're going to have people who mock you. You're going to have people who scorn you. You're, they're going to be pushed back against you if you stand for God. But you have to will, be willing to partake in the gospel's afflictions. Jesus promised that any of his followers who would uh, intently follow him should expect persecution. They should expect affliction. And affliction is God's path to joy. Affliction is God's path to patience. Uh, two Sundays ago, I was in Brazzaville, and I preached in uh, a church for my friend, Pastor Rock. And Pastor Rock is an awesome guy that I've known for years. And his church is such a vibrant church. You should hear them sing. I wish I could take every one of you to his church just so you could hear them sing. Uh, their church building is about maybe a little wider than this section, and almost from me back to probably Erlene and Ken, and Ben. He's on the same row. Uh, that's about how big their church is. And it had like 120 people crammed in there. And I was sitting on the front row, and they started singing, and man, it was powerful. Uh, it was just incredibly uh, loud and joyous. And uh, there, it's the difference between church and Africa and the church in India is incredible. Uh, the church in Africa is all about joy and expression and lifting up the name of God. And the church in India is totally subdued. Like, this, it's almost uh, just a remarkable difference. Uh, but they are both participating in the gospel's afflictions, and it brings joy. And so I preached this message uh, from James chapter 1, where I said, count it all joy. And it's this whole message about patience. And then, uh, through the week, I traveled to Point Noir in the Congo and did some uh, trainings there. And then I flew to Paris and flew to New Delhi. And in New Delhi, uh, I got to the carousel, and my bag hadn't arrived. So I waited, uh, and then I looked, and it said that all baggage had already been delivered. And so I walked around the thing like four times, and I talked to the guy, and we walked around again. And so we finally figured out it had not arrived. Like, it was not arriving. And I'm like, oh, this is... I got to go change uh, airlines, and I got to go through immigration, and I got this deal with my bag, and all of a sudden, God brought back the words 
that I would preach to the people in Africa on Sunday. Count it all joy. <clears throat> right? There is nothing like having patience developed in your life. Right? The trying of your faith is what works patience. And so we have to partake in the gospel's afflictions for that to happen. Now look at verse 13. What an instruction. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Uh, Hold on to the proven path of faith. That is so necessary in our day. We have people who are coming with all sorts of feel-good messages and is subverting the gospel and changing the doctrine of God's Word. And we are called to hold fast the form of sound words. Go with what works. Go with what the New Testament teaches. And so this is an important truth in our growth relationships. And verse 14 is kind of a follow-up. Up to it. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. And so keep the good thing, right? If God is using something in your life and it is, it's working to, your, to God's good and to God's glory, hold on to that. Keep the good thing. And so what a great instruction for a growth relationship. Now, I want to move into chapter 2, and I know that we're just loosely covering this. I'd encourage you to read both of these chapters in depth this week if you get an opportunity. Uh, verse number 2 of chapter 2, <clears throat> and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And this describes the generational process that God uses for discipleship. There are four generations represented in this verse. Uh, If you look at it, it's Paul and Timothy, right? Things you have heard of me. Commit to faithful men who will then be able to teach others also. And so there are four generations present just in that verse, And so when you talk about growth relationships, commit the same to faithful men. You know what stops the process of discipleship? When one generation does not pass the gospel and the gospel lifestyle to the next generation. And, And every generation that is represented here, we have all sorts of generations represented. We have a responsibility to pass the gospel truth to the next generation. And God has committed that to our trust. And uh, we should commit it to those who come after us. Now, uh, that doesn't have to be some formal process that is offered by a church, but it could be. And we have a formal process uh, of discipleship here at Centennial that we use and uh, that we encourage you to be a part of. But if you don't want to use that process, use some type of process to move people forward in their faith. Uh, Commit it to faithful people. And you say, well, I don't have time. Listen, uh, keep eternity in view, right? Keep eternity in view because 
Yeah, the only thing you're going to have pretty soon is time. That's it, right? You're going to have all eternity to think about the relationships that you should have valued, the relationships that you should have invested in, the people that you should have moved forward. And anybody has time to develop one person in faith. Don't let the gospel model and the gospel message die with your generation. Uh, Move it forward in faith. And so this is a great message. Now, verse 3 is a follow-up. 2 Timothy 2.3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What's that mean? It means that the Christian life is not going to be a cakewalk. The Christian life is going to be difficult. Okay? When your drill instructor brings you in on the first day, he tells you how hard your life is going to be. Right? It doesn't matter what branch of the military you're in. He tells you what your life is going to be like for the next eight weeks or 13 weeks or whatever weeks and how hard it's going to be. And you know what most of the people who are standing there think? (laughs) Not really going to be that hard. Stick around. Right? It's going to get harder than you could ever dream it was going to be. And you know, that's how the Christian life is if you're willing to truly follow Christ. You are going to endure things that you never dreamed you would endure uh, if you follow Christ. And uh, I, I have to tell you that difficulty in the life of a believer is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of growth. Right? And sometimes we look at believers who have problems and they're like, oh, well, they've got problems. Tell you what, just shows you how weak their faith is. No, it usually shows how God is strengthening their faith. You know, if you never have problems, I worry about you. You know what I worry about? That you're right where Satan wants you. Right? Your life's easy. When your life's always a mountaintop and it's easy and it's a cakewalk and you don't have any relationship difficulties and you have no problems with your kids and your family is the perfect American family, I worry that the world and the flesh and the devil have you stacked up right where they want you to be. Because God says that those who will be good soldiers of Jesus Christ are going to endure hardness. They're going to have difficulties. And in those difficulties, there's an extension of this in verse number four. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And so we're called to please him who has chosen you. Please him who has chosen you. Don't get entangled with the affairs of this world. Uh, Don't get entangled with life uh, on this earth. Keep your focus on heaven. Uh, I saw an article. I was sitting in the Paris airport, and uh, I'm trying to read more French so I can practice. And there was this article 
this true story about this guy who lived in Terminal 1 of the Charles de Gaulle Airport uh, from 1979 until 1996. He lived in the airport for 17 years. Uh, he flew in on a passport from one of the stands in Asia, and his passport was stolen in the airport. And when he went to report uh, to the authorities, uh, they told him, well, you can't, you can't go anywhere. So he tried to fly to England. They sent him back to the Paris airport. He lived inside the airport for 17 years. And he, he didn't trust anybody. They, they tried to help him. They got him an immigration uh, path out 12 years in, but he continued to live there. So he had this makeshift place where he stayed, and all the workers in the airport would give him tokens and meals, and he would shower in the airport. He lived there for 17 years. Did I mention he lived there for 17 years? Right? I had to stay once in the Singapore airport for 26 hours. It was the end of my life. <laughs> right? I was ready to be totally done. He lived in the airport for 17 years. I cannot imagine this. Right? If you're headed somewhere, the last thing you want to do is get entangled in an airport. Right? So you walk through the airport now in Delhi or Paris, wherever you're at, and they've got all these shops, like it's a mall, like Coach and whatever that is. Is that the purses? And Vera Wang and all these other names that I don't know and I have no idea what they are. And you walk by and like they have something that the lowest price thing in the window is like $400. And like who buys this? Like, who goes to an airport to go shopping? <laughs> like, you know what? I just need more stuff. Now, I'm here in the airport. And it's kind of like this. Don't get entangled with this life. Keep your focus on Jesus. Please him. Now, let's skip down to verse number 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what we say, study to be an unashamed workman. By the way, that's the verse uh, that the club Awana was built on, a workman and not ashamed. Uh, we're called to continue to study. And, and not only does that say to study God's word, but it's saying uh, figure out how you can live your life on God's basis. Figure out how you can live your life unashamed. Verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth the canker, of whom it is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already. And overthrow the faith of some. Look down at verse number 23. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And so Paul says, shun profane and vain babblings. He says, listen, Timothy, stay away from things that don't matter. 
Stay away from arguments that don't matter. Do you know what a huge percentage of American Christianity is now? Arguments that don't matter. Right? You look at social media, you look at Christian magazines, most of American Christianity right now is arguments about things that don't matter. And look, I'm not trying to be pompous. I'm not trying to say that we've got it figured out. But I would much rather spend my life in a room with 50 pastors in India or Africa who want to follow Jesus Christ than to get online all day and argue with another person about a version of the Bible or a practice in the church or who's right on this and who's wrong on that. I mean, good grief, what a way to waste your life, right? There are pastors who've been to Israel on tours like 12 different times, prayed for by their church. I'm thankful that Centennial is investing in changing lives. And uh, listen, uh, that's not, uh, Israel's a great trip. If you ever get a chance, you should tour it. I'm not trying to diminish it. It's a wonderful thing. But God laid on our hearts years ago that we should actually do something instead of just getting involved with things that don't matter. Yeah, that's what Paul's trying to teach Timothy. Verse 22, flee also youthful lusts. Wow. That's a lot. I mean, just, just those words, flee also youthful lusts. Do you know there's nothing more tragic and sad than a person who's in their 40s and 50s who's still trying to live out youthful lusts? Right? It's tragic. Right? The 55-year-old guy on the Harley who's still trying to catch up with his 20s. Right? The, the guy who threw uh, the winning touchdown pass in 1984, and that's still what he's talking about down at the cafe, right? Get over what your youthful lust we're trying to teach you and follow Jesus. And uh, I see people, they're dragging their youthful lust further and further. There are people in their early 30s who are living in mom's basement playing video games all day. That's a youthful lust. It's stupid. It's vanity. It's emptiness. And yet there are people who live their entire lives based on youthful lusts. Now, there's a transition. He says, flee also youthful lusts, but follow. Follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace. And so we're called to flee some things, but we're also called to follow some things. And then verse 25, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. I don't know that there are any more powerful verses in all the New Testament in dealing with people who are their own worst enemy. We've got so many people in our lives that we want to help, but we can't help them because they're standing in the way. Right? And this teaches us how to deal with them in meekness. 
in meekness, we're supposed to instruct those who are their own worst enemy because God can still work in their lives. God can still deliver them out of the snare of the devil. And so when you think about these discipleship instructions, these growth relationships that God gives us, the faith challenge today says this, God desires for all of us to be in growth relationships, both as a Paul and as a Timothy. And if you're a believer, you are called to growth relationships. Yeah, I would urge you to read over this passage again and again and again and, and to figure out what could my lifestyle be for Jesus Christ? How does God want me to invest in other people? And if you say, I just don't know how to do it, then maybe you need somebody to disciple you. Maybe you need somebody to invest in you. And we'd love to help you with that as God gives us opportunity. Let's bow in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture that we've been able to walk through this morning. And Lord, there are times where we should just get in your word and find out what it has to say. And we should be reminded that we do not come to church just to get a pep talk. We don't come to church just for encouragement. We come to church to commit our lives to following Jesus Christ, to take up our cross and follow you. So I pray this week that we would deny ourselves, that we would flee youthful lusts, that we would follow after righteousness and faith and love. Guide us now, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together? Let's just close singing this chorus together. Sing, Savior, he can move the mountains. And Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered. Let's sing that again. Sing Savior and Savior. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever author of salvation he rose and conquered the grave jesus conquered the grave amen we pray that you guys have a great week we'll see you guys next sunday god bless